you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I've got an interesting interview for you today. My guest is Mike Morowski, and Mike is a 30-plus year real estate investment veteran and an entrepreneur, author, and real estate trainer, a public speaker, and personal coach with a strong personal resilience and deep desire to help others live an extraordinary life. He has coached hundreds of real estate investors to fulfill their dreams. Now, Mike is an expert on real estate, but we are not really talking real estate today. We are talking a little bit about real estate investing. We're also talking about important decision-making skills, integrity, and doing the right thing. Because Mike has a really interesting story that you might like to hear. Uh, Mike was uh, running a real estate empire when the market crashed in 2008, 2009. And due to some unfortunate decisions along the way, he ended up being indicted and went to federal prison for over seven years, as well as, I think, 10 more months of house arrest. Uh, So he spent a significant amount of time in federal prison. But during that time, he really turned his life around. He got in shape. uh, He stopped drinking. He uh, wrote two books, uh, started running courses on real estate and ethics, uh, both in the prison and for colleges and for people uh, speaking around uh, different areas. And today he coaches people and and gets involved in real estate investing and also speaks a lot about uh, integrity and ethics and making the right decisions uh, and to help other people and educate people on making wise, responsible decisions while continuing to grow their careers and business. Uh, This is something that I think all of us need to think about because uh, I've heard many stories like this before, and it's really a series of small and unfortunate decisions that often lead to people, you know, white collar crimes and people going to prison. So I want you to make the right decisions. I don't want to see this ever happening to you. Uh, And, you know, this is an interesting story to listen to. uh, And hopefully it gives you some things to think about. We also talk about the importance of mentorship and coaching and the difference between the two and listening to those people around you. Uh, And so this is going to be a great conversation. Quick note, we did record this live on LinkedIn and Facebook. uh, And we pull in, I think, a couple comments throughout, uh, but otherwise normal podcast interview. Uh, Mike has a book called Exit Plan uh, and a podcast about real estate investing. And the book is about uh, building your real estate business and and then having an exit plan getting out. Uh, So if you're interested in business, uh, or uh, his podcast, or learning more about real estate investing, I uh, highly check, uh, recommend you check out Mike's website, which is mycoreintentions.com, mycoreintentions.com. And then, of course, I have a book about your career and your personal development called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And that book, as well as some free resources, are available on my website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com. And if you go to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus, you can get our bonus resources, including the five steps to owning your career, uh, the three questions to ask when you face uh, your next big challenge, and the five most common career mistakes, as well as my morning routine and my morning affirmations. Uh, I mentioned one of those affirmations in this interview. There's just a ton of bonus resources there. And I'm excited to let you know that I'm also working on a new course from the book, and that will be available probably sometime in June or July of this year, 2021. I'll let you guys know when that is available. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Mike Morawski about making better decisions in business. Enjoy. 
Mike, welcome to the podcast. Excited to talk to you. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me here. I'm honored to be here. That's for sure. Yeah, you have uh, such an interesting story uh, that I am excited to dig into. I mean, you have been so successful in real estate investing, uh, obviously made some decisions that sent you down a path that you were not planning on, uh, and then been able to use the challenges that you've been through to help and inspire so many other people. And I love those stories, and, and I can't wait to dig into that. We're going to be talking about uh, you know, we, we talk a lot on this show about personal development, career development. We're going to talk a little bit about investing, um, but I especially want to talk about integrity and, you know, how the decisions we make, even the small decisions we make can have consequences and impact and how to think about, you know, where we might be going with some of those. But, you know, before we get into all of that, Mike, you know, for people listening that, that don't know you, uh, maybe you start with a little bit of your background and, and how you got to where you are today. Uh, I, I wish my background was just a little bit, Andy, but <laughs> there's a lot there, right? Um, I, I've been in the real estate space for 30 years. So uh, got into real estate via the construction business. You know, growing up, I, I grew up in a family that was not entrepreneurial at all. Hmm. And um, my dad always said, though, and I don't know where he got the wisdom from, but in his infinite wisdom, he said, go into food, shelter or clothing if you're going to go into business for yourself. And for some reason, I always took that to heed and wound up in the real estate business. Uh, started out in the construction field, had a general contracting business for a number of years. And I, I woke up one morning, just burned out, didn't know what to do. So decided to go into real estate uh, via um, I, I sold the construction company, took a year off. And uh, during that time, my wife and I at the time house hacked. And uh, this was long before house hacking was sexy, right? Today, it's the thing to do. Everybody does it. But back then, it, she was screaming at me because she was stepping on nails on the floor. And so... When you, when you, by the way, just sorry to interrupt you, but you said everybody's doing it. A lot of people probably still don't know what house hacking means, but you're talking about essentially buying something that you can also rent out part of to subsidize your rent. What do you mean by house house hacking? Yeah, living in it while you rehab it, right? Okay. So you, you live in it, you house, you, uh, you know, if you buy a multi-unit, you're going to rent some of it out. You're going to live in the building. You're going to uh, renovate it while you're there. So just kind of did a couple of flips that way. And what was interesting, I met a real estate agent along the way. And Andy, I've always believed success leaves clues. And, you know, he was very successful at what he did. And I, I made a decision based on that to go into the real estate business. So I went to him and asked him if he could teach me what to do. And he said, you know, let me make you a cassette tape and you can listen to it. And, you know, if you apply the principles and so... I think it's interesting because I don't think today you could even find something to make a cassette tape on, much less listen to a cassette no. tape. But I equate a podcast like this to something you could go back, listen to over and over again, right? But he made this tape for me. I listened to it over and over, and I went into real estate. I followed those principles. I sold 78 homes my first nine months in the business. Wow. Because the simple fundamentals, you know, master the repetitious boredom, the same thing over and over every day. And, you know, all of a sudden you see growth. I was REMAX Rookie of the Year that year. I went on to build a team selling 125 homes a year. And in 2005, I saw the market starting to shift. 
And as the market shifted, I decided I was going to have to go do something else. And I went into the uh, apartment business and I raised $18 million in private equity. I bought uh, 4,000 apartments. It was about $60 million worth of real estate. I uh, did that in 30 months, which was a very quick period of time. I grew that company pretty unstably. And I, um, I built a property management company managing 7,500 doors. And today that puts me in the coaching and training space. You know, it was a little rocky ride between then and now, but um, you know, I don't know how far you want me to go. Well, no, that's great because it shows like you've always kind of for a long time been uh, entrepreneurial and um, ambitious. And then the way you moved into the real estate business, um, I, I love to, to go back to you mentioned this this quote that I hear a lot, which is success leaves clues. And I think a lot of people don't think about that, that whether you're getting into real estate investing or building a business or building a career, you know, you have no ambitions of being an entrepreneur, but you want to move up or be successful in a career in the corporate world or whatever job you're in, that it's so important and helpful to find a mentor or someone that you who's modeling the success you want so that you can learn from them. We don't have to try to figure it all out ourselves because as you said, you find someone who's been successful, there's clues to that. How did they do it? And then you can learn from them, right? Right, absolutely. So, so how, do you think, how do you think about that and or you know, recommend people find someone, a mentor who can really help them develop in whatever career they're doing? Oh, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I think you find a mentor and, and I think there's a difference between a mentor and a coach. A mentor is probably someone that you really wouldn't have a, a business relationship with, a relationship where you paid them, right? A coach is somebody you're going to have more of a business relationship with, somebody you probably would pay a fee to, to coach you, right? A coach is going to hold you accountable, a coach is going to help you discover what you already know in yourself, pull it out and help you move forward. But a mentor is going to kind of help mold you, right? And they're going to kind of help guide you and, and teach you things. I think a mentor comes because you figure out in your own mind what you want and you go seek out somebody who has what you want and find out how they can help you get what you want. Yeah, I like that delineation. And it removes a little bit of pressure, I think, from the mentor title, because we often think, well, if I'm going to find a mentor, I have to formally ask them and I need them to meet with me once a month or once a week. But the truth is, and I have many mentors who don't even know I exist because I read their books and I listen to their podcasts, right? And I just learn everything I can from them. Uh, and then there's others that you might talk, actually talk with and ask, get to ask them questions. But all that counts as mentorship. But when you get into a point where you're asking them to coach you through things, to support you, to really hold you accountable, uh, you're probably paying them for that. And then they become more of a coach. And I've done that for, for many people and, and hired people for that service as well. And both are really beneficial. Hey, you know, Andy, it's funny because um, I don't know Michael Jordan personally, and he's never coached me, but yeah. he certainly helped me get better at my jump shot. <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? I used um, to be a mentor. 
Yeah, I mean, and there's there's many like that. I mean, for me, like in business, uh, I follow uh, Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V. Uh, follow all of his stuff. I mean, I would consider him a huge mentor to me. Absolutely. And I did meet him once in person, but I'm sure if you met him and you threw my name at him, he would have no idea who I right. am, right? But he is a mentor to me. Um, for others, it could be, uh, you know, it could be the president of your company, even if they barely know you, uh, or other entrepreneurs or business leaders you follow, or or people in the more of the personal space, or if you're a writer, you know, you follow everything Stephen King does, he could be a mentor, right? It's just For a sure. matter of who are you learning from, uh, you know, consuming their content on a regular basis. Uh, and then did you did you hire coaches along the way? Because I know you do coaching now, but did you hire coaches to help you get to where you were? I have, yeah, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a great question. You know, I, um, I have had a coach for 20 years and I actually just, I wrote a book, right, called Exit Plan, Your Complete Guide to Multifamily Investing and Why You Need an Exit Plan Before You Buy. And I, I wrote that because uh, over the years, I, and I make a quote in the book, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching and training and books and tapes and seminars to kind of walk away from some really great events feeling empty, like I was missing something. Because in the real estate business, people teach you how to find a deal. They teach you how to buy a deal. They teach you how to get in it, how to run it. But nobody teaches you how to get out. And that's what I wanted to, to capitalize on was to help people get out of a deal, know how to plan along the way, what to look for, what to look for up front, how to plan for that, and then how to exit the deal. And that doesn't always mean selling the deal on your own, but it does mean exiting in a certain way to capitalize on your profit. Yeah, absolutely. So to get back to your story, I mean, you built a very lucrative, successful real estate business uh, in that, especially that 2005 to 2008 range when the market was really popping. And then for those who's been around the business world for a while, even those of us who weren't in real estate, we know that everything kind of collapsed in 2008, 2009, and you ran into some some big problems there, right? Did I? <laughs> yeah. So tell me, yeah, tell us the story yeah. of, of what happened. So, uh, so I built this company, and I, uh, you know, I think I alluded to the fact I grew very fast, and I was kind of unstable. Andy, I kind of equated to trying to balance a chair on two legs, lift your feet off the ground, and take a bite of your bacon and eggs in the morning. So, um, very unstable, unbalanced, ready to tip topple over at any time. I was over leveraged. I bought too much property, too fast. I put too little money down. I didn't raise enough money. You know, I have a list of eight or nine things that today I do differently and would do differently uh, syndicating apartment, uh, you know, deals again. But what I find is that what happened was as a result of the market and as a result of uh you know, I remember sitting at lunch with my CFO in 2008 and the news was on and we were watching uh, people carrying boxes out of Lehman Brothers by the droves. And I said, we're in big trouble, aren't we? He goes, yeah, we're in big trouble. And it was about 18 months later that we were very unstable because people had moved out of our apartments. Occupancy was down. We couldn't afford to pay rents because we were over leveraged. We, were, we didn't raise enough money. We couldn't make any capital calls to our investors. So there were a number of things against me. So I had properties that were running really well and profitable and others that weren't. 
And instead of just letting the ones that weren't running profitable go to foreclosure and let those investors get hurt, I wanted to try and protect everybody. So I started moving money back and forth between companies. And that really wasn't an issue. I mean, I actually had guidance from my attorney and my accountant that said, you know, it's okay to do that. Just leave notes between the companies. Well, that was fine to do. But the problem was that I didn't disclose it to my investors. And as a result of not non-disclosure, I got in trouble. And I wound up being indicted on wire fraud and mail fraud charges and ultimately sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. Um, so that's, that's not how the story ended, but that got me to the place where my life, I think, turned around and began again. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and how long did you end up serving in prison? Yeah, I was behind the wall for seven and a half years. And then uh, I came home. I was on home confinement for about another 10 months. Wow. Okay. And while you were in prison, um, the interesting thing was you weren't just sitting around crying about it, right? You decided to to take some action and, and take charge of your life, right? What are some of the things that you did there? What was that experience like? Yeah. So so when you go to prison, it's like you die and your whole and you stop and you watch your whole life go on in front of you. So the world went on without me. And I came home very behind on technology. I, I hadn't held a cell phone in 10 years, Wow, you know, seven years, eight years. I haven't let go of a cell phone for 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> say, probably not, right? <laughs> um, but there's a saying in prison that says, hey, you can either do the time or you can let the time do you. Mm. Um, so I got to prison. I thought, man, how'd this happen? What happened? How did I get here? My life's over. What am I going to do now? And um, uh, I was there about 17 days and those thoughts were going through my mind. But then all of a sudden, my wife decided she was going to leave me. Mm. So now um, I went from my family that was going to be supportive and hang around to now they're not hanging around. They're not supportive. My wife divorced me and everything was gone. So I was wondering now, when I thought was the bottom, now I'm really at the bottom and um, didn't know what to expect. 35 pounds overweight. I'm in prison about six weeks. I walk into the gym one day, just looking around. And um, this guy walks up to me and he goes, Hey, look, man, he goes, I, I know you're struggling. I know there's a lot going on in your life. He goes, but don't let these people beat you. All the feds want to do is take everything from you you've ever known or ever had. They can take your apartments. They can take your real estate. They can take your money. They can take your businesses. They can wreck your family. But what they can't take is what you have inside. They mm. can't take who you are, what made you, your knowledge, your skills, and your desire. He goes, you can get all that other stuff back. He goes, come in this gym every day, work out, lose some weight, get healthy again, and watch what happens. Best advice I ever got in my life. Started going to the gym, started working out, started losing weight, feeling better physically. I went back to college. I got a bachelor's degree in theology. I wrote two books, two home study courses, one on real estate investing, one on property management. I wrote an ethics course and taught ethics. I taught real estate. And then I was on an outreach program, went into the community maybe 40 times and told my story. Small businesses, uh, 
major corporations in the area and uh, the major colleges, local colleges in the area. Told my story a number of times that I know that my story impacted other people. And because I had people come up to me and say, man, it's an inspiration. You show hope. You know, um, I can't believe this is going on in my life. How do I mitigate this situation? So a lot of that happened. But I befriended a professor at the University of Minnesota. And we co-authored a paper that in January this year we had published in the Business Journal of Ethics, which gets taught today at the college level for forensic accounting classes, um, sales and marketing classes. So, um, you know, Andy, I did a lot, right? I kind of re-engineered my yeah. life. I came home in better shape physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually than I had ever been. And Not to mention, you were more productive in prison than most people are in their free lives when they can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. I had to stay busy because I was going to go crazy if I didn't, right? So, No doubt. And I, I'm curious, having published my own my first book only a few months ago, you wrote two books while you were in prison as well. Are you able to publish those and put them out into the world? and Or do you have to kind of wait until you get out? No, you're not. And um, you... Um, you really aren't even supposed, you know, there's no computer access in prison. So we have no Google, there's no internet, there's no cell phone, there's no apps, there's no tools. You have a basic, um, you know, the guy who run, ran the education department walked up to me one day because I taught some classes at education. I taught real estate investing and uh, property management and I taught ethics. And he's, and I was always on the computer getting material ready for my classes, but that was always the stuff that I was teaching. The things that I was writing for my books were things that I was teaching in the classes. And he said to me one day, he goes, hey, you know, we have to let you write a book, but we don't have to let you use the computer. So it was kind of one of those warnings like, um, hey, I know what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Just don't push the envelope too far and you're going to be okay. So he allowed me to, um, to put all this material, to write all this material. And, and so much of it I had started writing by hand, right? But I was printing this stuff and sending it home. And I got it all sent home. When I came home, I had it edited and uh, I had the first book edited. We published it last year. The second book's in the hands of the editor right now. will get published uh, hopefully by the end of this year. So, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, and then, like you said, also teaching ethics classes and speaking and getting part of being part of this college course. What are some of the main points or takeaways from that? You know, for people listening, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this interview is that this seems like a story. And I've heard some of these before that whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a business executive can almost happen to anybody. Just a few small decisions that, you know, go the wrong way. So what do you want people to know to help prevent anybody else from ending up, you know, going down this path? Yeah, you know, um, it's like when I evaluate a real estate deal, I think there's some early onset things that you want to look at. You know, you want to look at population growth and job growth early on in, in the real estate business. You want to look at what the household income is in the area. But when it comes to your personal life and it comes to how you operate personally and professionally, I think things catch up with you and you don't even know it. Um, you know, things come into play like ego, pride, greed, 
and they creep in. You don't even real, realize it. I remember sitting in church one day and a, and a guy said to me, or I, I heard a guy sitting behind me. I just said hi to him. He was an investor of mine. It just ran into him in church. And um, his wife said, who's that? He goes, oh, that's the CEO of the name of my company. And um, uh, I thought, man, oh, man, look at me. You know, people know that's my identity. Well, that's right. not what my identity should have been in, right? And my identity never should have been in my apartments and 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 those physical things that, because that's where your pride comes from. That's where your ego gets mm-hmm. distorted and out of whack, right? Yeah. So I I think I think you need people in your life, and a coach is a perfect person, Andy. Right? A coach is a perfect person to keep somebody accountable. Hey, you know what? I want my coach to say to me, you're out of check. You're out of balance, right? I'm not going to pay somebody $1,000 a month or whatever the coaching fee is to, to not call me out on my accountability. You know, I had a coaching client that I was working with who just all of a sudden quit, quit showing up for calls and sent me an email a month later, six weeks later, and said, hey, stop billing me. I said, you know, hey, you made this commitment. You asked me to be hard on you. Well, you know, show up for the calls. Take care of the hard things in your life. There's conversations that we have to have with people that if you run from them, if you stop taking care of the hard things in life, things get out of control. So it's about a balance balance issue as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned ego and pride and, uh, my friend Aaron Hunt just commented, love it. Pride comes from possessions yeah, and it comes from that title as well. And, you know, knowing what other people think of your accomplishments and that you start to tie your ego to that. And then you want to maintain that, right? You want to keep that going. You want to make sure that you want people to continue to respect and admire you as you tie your ego to that and not to who you truly are or what you truly care about. And I can see that motivating you to make certain decisions to make sure that you're you're kind of keeping all that going, right? Yeah, for sure. So you just have to be cautious. And I think you need to have good people around you. You know, I'm a big advocate of building a team and a strong network that will, you know, that first of all can help you achieve your goals, but also keep you accountable to balance and, and lifestyle, right? Hey, what's really important in your life? You know, those should come first. Uh, you talked about the importance of having people around you who can, you know, give you feedback and coach you and challenge you and help you do the right thing. Uh, you also told me a story when you and I talked before about knowing when a decision was right, but getting bad advice from somebody to, to not do the right thing or the integrity thing. You know, can you share that? Because I think I think people need to hear that, that those things are going to happen too. Are you talking about the board meeting? Yeah, the board meeting, right? So, yeah, that's a that's an interesting dilemma, right? So, um, in the midst of of my company imploding, I knew that there were problems. I knew there were challenges, and I was walking into a board meeting early in two thousand and ten, and I had a board of advisors. I had twelve men and women who sat on a board that were a hell of a lot smarter than I was. And they were from uh, other disciplines other than just real estate. Matter of fact, 10 of them were from 
manufacturing, transportation, the legal industry, other industries other than real estate. And I'm walking into a board meeting and I'm prepared to tell them about everything going on in our business and what's going on and why we're upside down and what's happening. And I met in the parking lot by my in-house legal counsel. Now, here's somebody I pay $200,000 a year to who is, um, I think, has my back. I think has my best interest at hand. And he, here's what he says to me. Hey, listen, don't talk about any of that stuff tonight. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I don't want you to talk about any of that tonight because I don't think we have enough information. I said, how do we not have enough information? I said, people are moving out of our apartments in droves. The market's upside down. Businesses in the local communities are closing up, going out of business. People don't have jobs. They can't pay their bills. I'm upside down. I can't pay my bills. I need some guidance. We don't have enough information, he says. He says, give me two weeks and we'll have a conference call. We'll get everybody on a conference call. We'll discuss it then. But tonight, talk about these other four points. And he handed me a piece of paper. And against my better judgment, against my best interest, I said, okay. And I didn't talk about that. And I think that that would have been a meeting that might have changed the direct the trajectory of where we were headed. I think that that meeting may have given me the ability to um, maybe try to put things back on the rails because we were coming off the rails pretty hard. And um, I let somebody else dictate to me how I had run my business to that point. And remember, I grew a business $60 million in assets. I raised $18 million in 30 months. You know, you don't do that because you're not real sure about what's going on or how yeah. to do it, you know. So, yeah, the thing I take away from that is that it's important to have coaches and mentors and people who can give you feedback and advice. Um, but at the end of the day, you shouldn't let anybody tell you how to run your company or business. You've still got to make the, the gut right decisions for you, especially when there's integrity in the line or you feel like something is the right thing to do. Right. You can't let anybody talk you out of that. Right. For sure. That's tough. So um, and for anybody interested, you know, in a career as well, who maybe have, you know, colleagues, um, bosses also involved in all this, you know, what do you want people to take away from this? You know, how can people make sure they're making the right decisions and not going down the wrong path? Because it, it is so easy to do some things, like you said, to, to kind of boost that ego. Well, I'm going to, you know, maybe tell a little lie here or not tell all the facts here because I want people to think that I'm successful or, you know, whatever it may be. Boy, there's a whole lot to unpack in that comment. Yeah. I, you know, I just want to, I just want to take one word for a minute, the lie piece. Mm. And, and I want to say that, um, um, you know, there's two ways to lie. I can overtly lie to you, Andy. And I can say, I wasn't out with those people. What are you talking about? Right. Or I could just not say anything, right? Withholding the I, truth, right? I think the lie of omission is equally, if not as bad, equally as bad, if not worse, than the lie of actually lying. Um, that's what I did, right? Is I lied to my investors by omission. I just didn't tell them that I was moving this money. And um, 
there's an ethical breakdown. And, and I want to be clear on this point, too, that just because somebody acts unethically doesn't mean they broke the law. But enough unethical actions will ultimately cause you to break the law. And, you know, here, here's my, my hope and my desire is that somebody who might be sitting on the fence, a woman, a man who's, a, who's in a C-suite, runs a company, owns a company, is in middle management, runs a team, you know, every day we're faced with stress and pressure. We have to show up. We have to perform. We have to guide and lead other people to show up and perform. And every day we're faced with choices and decisions. And any one of those choices or decisions could cause us to go in a wrong direction, could cause our life to change like that. And, and I say this because I want people to be cautious of what they do. Pay attention to the red flags around them. Don't grow, don't try to grow a business so fast that you lose control, that you grow unstable. Make sure that there's stability underneath you. You know, you build a foundation for a reason. Stay on the foundation. Don't come off of it. Um, I think that um, if you're in a situation where you have challenges, go to somebody who you can trust and talk to them, you know, it doesn't have to be a coach. It could be a close friend, but talk to somebody. Hey, you know what, Andy? I never talked to my wife about business. I left her out. I didn't tell her things. And I didn't tell her things because I, I was afraid she would worry and I didn't want to deal with her worriedness. That's why I left her out. Well, reality says I should have told her because the night I was out to dinner with her, and my ex-partner and his wife, and on the way home, she said to me, I don't trust him. I should have found out why hmm. instead of saying, um, oh, honey, don't worry. I have this under control, thinking I was a good hero husband, right? And I wasn't. Hey, listen, pay attention to the red flags around you. Hmm. Listen to people around you. Um, I, this is a subject I could go on for a long time on. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like, you know, it's really important. Like you said, pay attention to those red flags, pay attention to your own intuition, um, find someone you can trust that you can talk to. If you have someone close in your life, like a spouse or a best friend um, or a coach, don't leave them out and try to pretend everything is fine because you're never going to get help unless you open up about, hey, here's the challenges, things that are going on. You know, what do you think about this? Especially if they know the other parties involved and have some intuition like your your ex-wife did. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, you, you've moved past all this, you've got the books coming out, um, you still have a ton of experience in real estate investing. Um, the real estate market now is really hot once again, as you and I recorded this in May 2021. Some might say we're in a bubble. Um, but, you know, many say it's very different than last time, right? There's not a bunch of banks giving people loans who have no business getting loans, or so they say, so we think, right? Um, do you think now is a good time to uh, get back into or get into real estate investing? Um, God, your uh, Aaron just put up uh, Proverbs 31 that says, trust a woman's intuition. Mm. Uh, right on, Aaron. Um, and, and there's another one, and it's Proverbs 16, 3, I think, that says, a wise man seeks much counsel. And, and that's something I live my life by today, uh, just as a, as a side thought to this whole thing is seek good counsel. 
that goes back to that whole conversation. Yeah. Um, I'll just, sorry to just interrupt you before we go to the next question, because I think that is that is really important. Um, I do that as well. I, I talk with my wife about everything. And I used to be that guy, too, that was like, oh, I'm just going to keep my business stuff to myself. And we don't talk that much about it. Now I tell her everything that I'm doing and I'm working on. And she can share her intuition on things. And I'll get curious and ask those questions. So I've been down that road, too. Um, and I also have mentors and belong to mastermind groups. Uh, where I can bring that stuff up and say, here's what's going on and, and seek counsel. And uh, you also reminded me of, I have a list of affirmations I go through every morning. And one that might be useful to others in the audience thinking about this is that uh, I will always do what is right, not as what, not what is easy. Mm. An easy thing to do or remember. I can't, I can't say I've always been perfect on that. Um, but when you, when you try to live that way and remember that, then you avoid because a lot of those decisions come up in life, right? Where like, I know this is the right thing to do, but ah, oh, that's so much work and it's so uncomfortable. I'm gonna do the easy thing. And I've done those, but now I'm, I'm very committed to always doing what's right and not, not what's easy. And I think if we all, you know, kind of live by that, you know, we avoid some of those really bad decisions. Yeah, that's for sure. I equate that to your to-do list and you try to get all the little stuff off your to-do list. Feel like you had a really productive day. Yeah get to any of the big stuff or the stuff that really matters, right? Right, exactly. All right, so going back to the, the real estate investing, do you think now's a good time to get into real estate investing? Hey, I think any time's a good time to get into real estate investing. I've made money in high markets, low markets, when a Democrat's in office, when a Republican's in office, it makes no difference. Here's just watch what you're doing. Don't rush in. I'm seeing too many people right now do deals razor thin where the margins are so close that it doesn't make sense. Cause if the market does turn, you're going to get hurt. Um, I'm seeing people put limited money in deals. Put, don't do that. You know, um, I was out, I walked a deal yesterday in Chicago and you know, when you, when you look at the metrics in Chicago, it, it's already razor thin. I've never really liked the Chicago, Illinois market. Uh, People buy deals here because I think they just want to say, hey, I bought a deal, right? And it, well, what'd you pay for it? Well, I paid a, you know, a seven cap for it, you know? Well, you could have bought it for a 10. Why'd you do that, right? So um, people, uh, people pay too much for property. People do too many silly things, I think, when the market is hot like this. Um, when you look at the residential market right now and people are overpaying 20, 30, 50, hundred thousand dollars for a home, depending on the price and then putting up money in case it doesn't appraise called gap funding. It, it, really? So do you not, you see what's happening here? So, um, I think people just need to be cautious and watch how they're doing deals. Cause there are, there are good deals out there to make, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. What's the best way for someone just starting out to get into real estate investing? Is it um, looking for a residential, a single home family, single family home, maybe to, to buy and rent out and just take your time and find one that isn't, he doesn't have razor thin margins or, you know, seems like it's normally priced. So if, if I hear, understand the, the question correctly, a brand new real estate investor coming into the real estate market. Yeah. If I was to do it all over again, my first purchase would be a, a small multifamily, a three or a four unit building, 
because I can get FHA financing. I can live in it. It can be my primary residence. Plus, I can get a bunch of experience for tenants, for repairs, for maintenance, for management, for marketing. Everything I need to learn, I can learn in that three to four unit building. Hmm. And I can scale my business from there as a result of that. So your first purchase, a three, four unit building, the ease of entry, the simplicity of buying, how much you need to put out of your pocket are all a lower scale. And then the economies of scale can kick in beyond that. And you can grow your business exponentially as a result of that beginning practice. But I would not today in today's market go into the um, residential side. That's my own personal opinion. I mean, and there's, there's a hundred people out there that'll disagree with me and that's okay. But, but I believe that you should be in the multifamily space. Right. I like that. Okay, great. I appreciate that advice. Okay. Last, uh, last question for you. Uh, You have a book called exit plan about helping people get out. Um, I have a book called own your career, own your life. Uh, When you hear that term, especially own your career and own your life, what does that mean to you? that you need to be um, true to yourself, who you are, do what's right. It's like what I just said, right? I said, this is my belief. And there's a hundred people that are going to disagree with me, but this is what I believe. Own your life, own your career. Listen, when I walked into that board meeting, I should have owned that. I shouldn't have let anybody else tell me what to do, right? It became a distraction. So I hope I hope I kind of answered that question for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, be true to yourself. Do the right thing. Don't let other people throw you off track. Um, take full ownership uh, and responsibility. Love it. Uh, Mike, for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, follow along with what you're doing, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, so uh, any social media platform out there, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, connect with me. You can um, see my podcasts, uh, Insider Secrets or Multifamily Unplugged on YouTube. And you can reach me at mike at mycoreintentions.com. And if you want a copy of Exit Plan, you can go download a free copy at mycoreintentions.com forward slash exit plan. Got it. I put a link to that in the show notes on the podcast. Mike, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on the show today. Thanks for everybody who tuned in live. We appreciate you and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate you.